This episode of the Dr. Tina show that you're listening to is but one in a series of episodes all about Ozempic done right. You'll want to be sure to listen to all of them for the full story. You can find all of the additional related episodes linked in the show notes. Please note that I am no longer taking patients. I am unable to answer individual medical questions or make personal referrals for practitioners in your area. That said, I have created a free Ozempic Done Right mini course just for you that you can access in the show notes or via the link on my website at drtina.com forward slash Ozempic Done Right. Inside, I've answered your most frequently asked questions. And again, it's entirely free. So please go grab the free mini course right now at drtina.com forward slash Ozempic Done Right to be notified of further education on this topic. You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Dr. Tina Show. On this episode of The Quick and Dirty, where I give you clinical pearls, clinical insights, and teach you things in under 20 minutes, I'm actually gonna share with you today my GLP-1 experience, my personal experience. I know many of you have been asking me, Dr. Tina, are you taking these? Is that why you're rallying for them? And yes, I am, full transparency. I will preface with this, My personal health information is no one's business. So any questions beyond what I'm sharing here, I'm not comfortable talking about. So please don't pry. That's one thing that really gets my goat. I'm sharing with you because I wanna be transparent with you and I wanna tell you about my journey and my experience with these so that you guys can be more informed. Have you ever looked at how much sugar is in most food bars today? Many of the popular brands have more sugar than most candy bars, and they're sold as health foods. Another ingredient most folks don't consider are the nasty artificial sweeteners or sugar alcohols used to sweeten them, all of which can wreck digestion. While I wasn't keen on food bars for a long time, last year I got turned on to Paleo Valley Superfood Bars. Paleo Valley Superfood Bars are made with 100% grass-fed bone broth protein, and they're full of collagen, which supports digestion and makes joints happy. Plus, they're sweetened with just a touch of monk fruit extract. They're gluten-free, GMO-free, sugar-free, and dairy-free, but also loaded with superfoods. Paleo Valley Superfood Bars come in a variety of delicious flavors, and the dark chocolate are easily my favorite dessert snack. Listeners of The Dr. Tina Show can save 15% off right now by heading to paleovalley.com forward slash Dr. Tina. Be sure to use that specific link, which you can also find in the show notes, and the discount will be automatically applied. Right now for fall, they even have a pumpkin spice bar that's outstanding. Head to paleovalley.com forward slash Dr. Tina and save 15% off now. I originally started researching these peptides because I have a background in musculoskeletal medicine, pain. I have a personal background in clinical pain, but I have a professional background in regenerative medicine, pain, all things musculoskeletal. That's what I did for a living for over a decade. Prior to that, I worked for a really well-known naturopathic physician who also specialized in that. So I have been up to my armpits in the world of pain for decades. I am a chiropractor. I am a naturopathic physician. As a chiropractor, we intimately understand neurophysiology. I intimately understand how centrally sensitized pain will end up causing distal downstream effects. And we have a lot of practitioners out there who like to take the microscope and focus in on a 
or the magnifying glass I should stay and focus in on a joint when oftentimes that joint pain is coming from the top down. It's actually being generated. Well, all pain is obviously generated in the brain when you think about how the nervous system works, but I'm talking about a persistent driving force of pain known as centrally sensitized or wind up pain. That is something I have suffered with for decades and if you have listened to me for any period of time, you know that in 2021, things really ramped up for me. So that said, I was looking for ways to mitigate this. I was getting into peptide uh, training, if you will. I was really digging into the literature on all things peptides. It is something I had neglected studying. Many of my colleagues and friends are very peptide heavy in their practices, and I knew that they were working wonders with these peptides, but I, all, all sorts of peptides, you guys. Peptides are just amino acids branched together. And peptides bundled together make proteins. That's, that's about as complicated as it gets, right? That's the biochem of it. So I was researching peptides for pain and I stumbled upon GLP-1 agonists. And I thought, huh, isn't that Ozempic and Wegovy and all of the, you know, the semaglutides, the tercepatides, the Monjoro? Why, yes, it is. Turns out that these have been looked at in the literature to treat neuroinflammation, pain by treating neuroinflammation, studies on autoimmune disease, impacts on inflammatory bowel disease, which oftentimes will manifest itself as joint issues. If you know anyone with Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, you know that those conditions will often manifest with musculoskeletal complaints, sometimes very severe. The HLA-B27, enteropathic arthritis that I am all too familiar with personally and professionally, all of these things were studied and looked at with GLP-1 agonists. And I thought, huh, that's amazing. Then I dug deeper and found that there's some neuronal regeneration in the brain in addition to decreasing neuroinflammation. And I thought, well, hell, I need to look into this. So that said, that was my initial interest. I was interested in cognition benefits as well. I have been dealing with a perimenopause brain and I honestly wouldn't have known it. And you guys probably don't know it either. But when you're high functioning and you're really used to relying on your brain as a high functioning woman, it shows itself. When you actually can't find your words, you can't find the thought processes you're looking for, you can't you know, grab your memories as easily, as quickly, you can't you know, access them in your memory bank. Obviously, things got a little bit worse after COVID. So that was my initial interest was cognition, brain healing, you know, making sure that I was treating my centrally sensitized pain as well as I could from all different aspects. Of course, I have everything on board. Uh, several people have come at me and said, if you knew anything about bioidentical hormone replacement, to which I laugh, <laughs> I, I'm, well, uh, I'm well versed in bioidentical hormone replacement as a personal user and also as someone who prescribed it for years and years and years. So for pain specifically, but I was doing all the things. Literally, all the things. I have access to stuff you guys can't get, you guys. Like I have access to different stem cell, regenerative medicine products that you guys can't even get. And I have put them all in me. And I will notice a minor benefit, but things just weren't right. So that was why I was most interested. The second part, I will fully disclose, I was gaining weight and something was wrong. I could not put my finger on it. And the weight gain was causing me pain. 
And that's all I need to say. I have seen it countless times with patients over the years. I have seen it with my family members. That's the that's the thing, you guys. I'm looking at my parents and I know exactly what I'm headed for. And I have done a superb job of staving off a lot of the issues that they had in their 40s and their early 50s, but it was creeping up on me. And something happens to my dad's side of the family. I call it the thickening. They get thick. I don't know how else to describe it. It's a, it's a thickness that I wanted to blame on hypothyroidism, but I was cranking my thyroid to the max. I was fully, fully medicated on thyroid. It wasn't working and I was still thickening up and with, with the thickening was pain. So it's not just fat. There's something that was happening to my body in real time and I kept saying to people, something is wrong. I don't feel right. I don't look right. I wasn't recognizing myself in the mirror. And while sure, my belt size was barely going up, like my clothes were barely fitting a little bit you know, tighter, it, something was wrong. It was all over. It was body-wide. And I see this happen with middle-aged men and women a lot. And I've always wondered what the heck was going on. So I thought perhaps it would help with that too. I I have experience using H, HCG clinically and personally. I use HCG a lot differently than others do. Um, while there's the HCG diet, I'm not going to go into how I used to do that because we got to keep this short. I also used it for chronic pain. I used it for neuroinflammation. I used it for mood. I've used it for a lot of things. There's good data on it actually on things that would blow your mind. So HCG has always been a helper. Uh, I tried it again. It wasn't cutting it. And so I decided to microdose. And I honestly, I thought I was being novel. I was like, I'm going to microdose GLP-1 agonists and see what happens. Turns out I, this is not a novel concept. <laughs> there are other doctors doing this. And I talked to many of them. I literally have talked to everybody I could get my hands on who is using these personally and professionally. So uh, a lot of you have asked, can you get a doctor on to talk about their experience with it? I've talked to everyone that I could possibly think of, and I'm not hearing a lot of different anything different than I haven't already told you. I have the Ozempic done right, parts one, two, and three, you guys can go back and listen to. Moving forward, I may get a guest on, but I don't want to talk about this all the time. And I don't want this to be the only subject that we discuss here on the Dr. Tina show. So, all right. So those were my main reasons. And I feel justified in using microdoses of whatever I want. I am a slow and low user of things. I like to go slow and low until we get clinical outcomes. And then I am, there's certain drugs we want to use fast and we want to, you know, hit it hard. But with most things, I ease my way and I tiptoe. And this was not any different. I also, full disclosure, my entire family's on it, all for entirely different reasons. And they're at different doses for different reasons. My best friend's on it. Several of my colleagues are on it now. Uh, since releasing that podcast episode, several colleagues have reached out to me and said, hey, I'm starting to use it because I was scared before. And now that you've released those episodes, I feel comfortable and this is what's happening. So we're all using it very differently and everybody's using it for different reasons. It, outside of weight loss, guys, but weight loss is an awesome side effect, which I'm not gonna deny, we all have vanity and I'm, I'm for it. There was a time, I'll tell you, in practice when I needed patients to comply with the lifestyle changes I was recommending, really there were two variables that would get them to move the needle. One was pain and one was vanity. And we've really lost vanity. I think vanity honestly is one of the ways to get people to take action. If you tap into their vanity, they will 
most often take action, but we've lost vanity as a, it's like a social construct. We're not allowed to have any vanity. And then I'm not even going to get into the vilification and propagandized nonsense around these peptides. Like that's a conversation. Go look at my Instagram. There's a highlight there called Ozempic. You can see how I feel about all of that. And I've talked about it on the podcast. So here's my strategy when it comes to anything. I am interested in balance and I love lifestyle modifications, of course, first and foremost. We bring in nutraceutical supplements and herbs. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful tools, powerful tools. I like adjunctive therapies as well. So I have never denied using hormone replacement. I have several podcasts about hormone replacement that I've talked very openly about how I use it. Uh, I use it personally. I've used it professionally, like I said. In fact, all of my family members are on hormone replacement too. So we... It's like a teeter-totter, right? We want to use the lowest dose of pharmaceutical medication necessary while we do all the other things to balance the system out. And so when you are doing that strategy, you oftentimes don't need very high doses of medication. And I think that these GLP-1 agonists are brilliant for exactly what I was experiencing. I have a question for you guys. If we know that type 2 diabetes is indeed a lifestyle-induced process, and I'm not trying to lay blame on anyone and say somebody was lazy and, you know, didn't care, but we eat ourselves into type 2. You don't just get to type 2. You might hover in insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome for a long, long time, and that might be hormones, it might be a lot of things, but you don't get to type 2 diabetes without some pretty severe neglect of your health, and you don't get to severe obesity without that either. And I have wholeheartedly done a deep dive and over many years into how the brain works around obesity. I understand it. It's a conversation I haven't had yet with you guys and I haven't brought it up on the show at length because it's really complicated. But my heart goes out to those struggling with it. People want to call me fatophobic. My daughter the other day was like, mom, you're you're trying to help these people. I'm like, yes, that's what I've been trying to do the whole time. Fat and adipose on the body are not good for us. And all of the studies coming out around these GLP-1 agonists are showing us that. You get the fat down, so many things improve. So again, topic for another day. But this balanced approach, I think, works for a lot of patients. Not a lot of doctors know how to do it. It's an art. It's something my mentor taught me to do. I love it. I love utilizing pharmaceuticals, peptides now, and hormones. I love it. Uh, I think they're wonderful adjunctive, but you got to be doing all the things. Nobody gets to ride for free. So again, if you want to come at me in the comment section to argue with me about that, go back and listen to my other episodes to see how I feel about this. You guys know me. Those of you who do know me know that I have been beating the drum on strength training, eating meat and kicking ass and building a resilient body for years and years and years, long before COVID hit our shores or was even a thought. Long before it was cool, back when all the big health influencers were telling you to eat tofu and do yoga, I was telling you to eat steak and go lift some heavy weights. So for those who want to argue with me about the, oh, well, these are reserved for the severely obese and the diabetic, and you're using them for vanity. If we can agree that a lot of these folks got themselves into a pickle by neglect to some degree, and to and some by serious degree, neglect, again, I don't need the pitchforks coming at me. Let's just all be honest with ourselves. I, I've gained weight before. I know what I was doing. I wasn't taking great care of myself. I'm not saying it's all discipline and willpower. There is a brain component here that is very much in the forefront that we have to appreciate. But that said, you don't get that far off track without 
some conscious or unconscious effort of just like, eh, fuck it. You know, there's just a fuck it point. I've talked to a lot of my friends who've gained lots of weight. I've talked to, I've helped many, many patients lose hundreds of pounds. Like in individuals losing hundreds of pounds, like 400 pound people getting down to normal healthy weights or close to it. And they all agree. There was just a point where it was like, fuck it, right? So why are we not helping folks who are all of a sudden like 10, 20 pounds gaining weight fast, right? They're like, I don't know what happened. This is most often women in perimenopause, but they're like, I turned around and I literally was 20 pounds heavier. How did that happen? Those are the people we want to get these peptides into quickly, in my opinion, because give them another decade, they're going to gain another 10 to 15 pounds or 20 pounds. Give them another decade. And by the time they're 60, they're going to be obese and diabetic. So we don't wait on high blood pressure medication until the person has a heart attack. Why are people so vehemently convinced that these are only for the people who really potentially have sort of let themselves go? I argue that if someone's doing everything right, they're doing all the things, let's give them a leg up. But even that, even further, let's give everybody a leg up. We have something that works here, guys. I saw a comment on a post of another influencer who was talking favorably about these peptides. And she said, I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. I'm a fat person and I have always been that way, but she was never severely overweight. And she said she's getting the side eye from her pharmacist for taking these peptides. And she's getting the side eye from her friends and family. And she's like, I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. They, they trash on me for being fat and they tell me I'm not working hard enough. And then I'm working my butt off and I'm trying to take these peptides that are actually giving me the opportunity to move, to lose enough weight, to move, to eat right. The you know, constant food cravings are gone and the hedonic appetite is gone. And like, I'm still the bad guy. So can we just for a minute, like who cares how people want to use these? There is no shortage. There's a pen shortage by a certain company. You can get these compounded for very reasonable prices, not necessarily the terzepatide. That's an expensive one, but semaglutide is not super expensive. And there's lots of other GLP-1 agonists on the market, guys. There's oral, there's injection. These have been around since 2005. Just because we're focused, hyper-focusing on the Wegovi and the Ozempic doesn't mean there's a whole bunch of other ones that aren't available for patients to use. So you, we're not taking any medication away from anyone. Just let that go. The shortage was in the actual injector pens. And those injector pens started out at too high a dose anyway, in my opinion. So they have actually, they're talking about selling it in single dose vials, which I think is fantastic because now people can actually dose appropriately and dose lower when they need to start. So my experience, I started on semaglutide. I started on a very, I'm talking a droplet (laughs) of a dose and I experienced a little bit of nausea. I had a little bit of loose stools and uh, I tend towards loose stools anyway. And within two or three days, actually my stools totally normalized, which was awesome. I started having really nice, solid bowel movements. I know TMI, but hey, we're here to be transparent. And I was stoked about it. Um, Maybe even caused a little bit of constipation to me. We know these peptides change the microbiome of the gut. So as my flora was shifting, it seemed to be going in a favorable way. I tried to go up on my dose a tiny little bit. I'm still talking less than half of the starting dose. And I just didn't want anything. I didn't want to eat anything. I will fully admit though, I got a wrench thrown in things because that was right when I discovered that mole on my back that I thought was melanoma. So that took 
by the time I found it, it was like a week of horrific stress thinking. I mean, it was, even the doctor was like that. I was convinced that was melanoma by looking at it. It was terrible looking. Uh, it turned out it wasn't, thank God. But we got that taken off and I had a big old lesion on my back. I couldn't work out and I didn't want to eat. And I had to wait another week to get the results of the biopsy back. So for two weeks, I was just like, Ugh, oh my gosh, you know, freaking out, not sleeping, not eating, just convinced I had melanoma, not knowing which way to go. It was very uncertain times. Got the results back. Awesome. Um, clear, benign. She takes the stitches out two weeks after I had it t- you know, removed. And then she says, you can't work out for another week or two because where it was on my back, it would have potentially torn open. So I was kind of out of commission for several weeks there and I wasn't really eating because of the stress of it all. And then I went right into hosting a big live event in Arizona. So I was just stressed out and I wasn't eating. That's what I do when I'm stressed. I don't eat. So I don't know what if it was the stress that was crushing my appetite or if it was the semaglutide. <laughs> but anyway, uh, right before I went to Arizona early November, I switched to terzepatide because in the biohacking community, they rotate peptides. And I switched the to the terzepatide. I found that I had a better appetite. It felt like a cleaner drug. It just feels better. It, I like it better. And my husband, um, we didn't switch him right away. He actually, I think, is preferring, he, we did recently, I think he's preferring the semaglutide, to be totally honest with you. He, it really, the semaglutide crushes his desire for alcohol completely. I think one of the reasons people may experience depression on it, some people report depression, is that it crushes your desire for just about anything, food, alcohol, chocolate, smoking, not that I smoke, but like things that people do to for enjoyment, I guess you could say. And that might be a real bummer. Like I was feeling kind of like not consuming anything. And I was on the semaglutide. I was feeling like this is kind of a bummer. But I have to say overall, my mental outlook improved significantly. My brain is so clear. I feel so much better. I feel uh, the, the, the heavy depression that hangs over me is gone. And it's something I didn't even realize was hanging over me until it was gone. Like I know when I go into a more depressed state, I tend towards that. Uh, I, full disclosure, I've been that way since I was a teenager, especially with the weather here in Oregon. Things like the minute the fall comes, I'm like, oh man, we got eight, nine months of this rain. And it's a real bummer for people. Like a lot of us just want to curl up and hibernate for a week. But and then that hibernation for a week sometimes doesn't, we don't come out of it so great. You know, it's a thing here in Oregon. So I tend towards low moods when that weather shift happens and I, I didn't have it. So I don't know. I'm really happy about that. My pain is down. My spine is far more mobile. My joint pain is down. Um, my joints are not as glued up. My cognition is better. I'm remembering things better. I'm getting more done. When I, when I sit down to work, I work more efficiently and more effectively in the time that I allocate for work instead of just like having ADD squirrel brain. Uh, my skin, my rosacea has almost completely cleared up. It was never severe, but again, it was one of those things I didn't realize how much it was bothering me until it was gone. So my skin is improved. My skin's clearer. I've lost about 10 pounds, which is awesome. Um, I really don't have any desire to lose more. So I'm going to just stay at the super low dose. Uh, when I switched to, to the terzepatide, I also went on less than half the starting dose. And that is where I'm staying. The one thing that did change for me on the with the terzepatide, I think I'm having some 
GI flora shifts again because I am having looser stools again, but it's not anything majorly different than what I was experiencing before. I've always had gut issues. So that's really it. I haven't experienced any um, nausea. I haven't, maybe a little bit of like, uh, my best friend described it. She's on it as well. She described it as like feeling kind of like you have morning sickness, but not really. <laughs> and I, those of you who are on it might understand what that feels like. So just a tiny touch for me. And I tend to be a nauseous person. I am a puker, you guys. I was really scared to start this, to be totally honest with you. I was like, oh my God, am I going to wake up with like gastroparesis and puking my guts out? Because I have a friend that did get gastroparesis. I've shared that with you guys before. And I have heard from someone else that is a follower who I do trust wasn't being melodramatic that she also had gastroparesis. They both started at the standard starting dose, which I, again, I think that is too high for a lot of people. Um, and they both actually started on a full stomach which some of the literature says to do. I was told to start it on an empty stomach, which I do. When I dose it, I have a, a very light meal in me or I have an empty stomach or close to close to empty. And I take it right before I go to bed. So if I experience any nausea, I don't feel it in my sleep. The day or two after the injection, my appetite is quite low and I have to really you know, like force myself to allocate my protein carbs. I mean, I'm sorry, my protein grams. Um, but I've always been like that. So I guess all that to say is I feel like my normal self. I've always been kind of low appetite. I've always been low, like it's hard for me to want to eat protein. I'm not somebody who can sit down and like, ah, it's rare that I look at a steak and go, yes, let me eat the whole thing. That sounds great. I usually have to do it in, you know, doses, <laughs> uh, unless it's right before my period. And then I give me that filet mignon, but I can usually only get down about eight ounces max. So I feel like myself again, you guys. I, I feel like I'm in my body again. I feel like my brain's working. I feel like my skin is clear. I feel good. I feel like I have a sparkle in my eye and a little spring in my step, which I have sorely been missing. And I am grateful for these peptides and I do not plan on getting off of them. I will, just like the other things in my arsenal that I do not plan on getting off of, I will cycle them and I will keep you updated on how that's going. Uh, I actually heard from a follower today who told me that he has quit smoking cigarettes, marijuana, and drinking, and he takes a tiny dose every two to four weeks. So it's very, I've, I've gotten hundreds of messages from people using it in a variety of different ways from all over the world. And with lots of clinicians telling me they're having phenomenal success. And these are all clinicians similar to me, like they are pro heavy protein, pro strength training kind of diet. So they, they get it, right? And I appreciate that these peptides exist and I am excited that I took a leap of faith and jumped in. And I am thankful to all of my healthcare friends who kind of guided me in the beginning, who were also using them personally and clinically with great results. Um, and I've had a lot of people that you wouldn't believe come out and share with me that they too are taking it. So a lot more people are taking it than you think. Some of your favorite people online even and... Again, that's all our business and that's what we want to do. And um, we, what we put in our bodies is our business. So I hope this is helpful to you guys. Please let me know. I'm sure I'm going to get some hate for it as I always do because this is a very heated topic for whatever reason. But definitely if you have more questions about this, I can't go into clinical dosing, but I am happy to do some episodes in the future 
down the road, I've got a couple topics. I still want to do one on musculoskeletal impacts with GLP-1 agonists. And you can reach us at podcast at drtina.com. And if you would be so kind to go to your favorite podcast player and rate, review, subscribe, that would be awesome. It helps get the word out and make sure you check out these videos on YouTube because I'm on YouTube now and I would love for you guys to join me over there. We're trying to do videos and get the word out in a different format for people so more people can listen to the information. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. If you're looking to take back your health, it's time for you to listen to the Real Foodology podcast. From the producer of The Dr. Tina Show comes one of Apple Podcast's top 10 nutrition shows hosted by integrative nutritionist and real food activist Courtney Swan. The Real Foodology podcast is on a mission to change the way we eat. Courtney interviews doctors, food experts, health professionals, and nutrition pioneers to bring you the best info so you can thrive. Somewhere along the way, we lost sight of how impactful our food choices are. But it's never too late to start on the path of better health choices. You'd be so surprised how resilient our bodies are when we start taking care of them. Yes, it's overwhelming, but that's why Courtney's here to help. She breaks it down for you and makes the information more accessible so that you can make more informed decisions in the grocery aisle or restaurant. Listen to the Real Foodology podcast today on your favorite podcast app.